Hey, I'm Debbie. And thanks for checking out this message today. We're glad you're here and we would love to get connected with you and your family. One easy way you can do that is to text River Connect to 97000. You can also visit our website at theriverchurch.cc to learn more about us and some upcoming events. Lastly, if you would like to give to the River Church today, you can text the amount you want to give to 84321, or you can head to our website and click the Give tab at the top of the page. Thanks again for joining us, and we hope you enjoy today's message. So we have been diving into this series in Philippians, and we're coming to the close this week. But each week we've kind of looked at, as Paul wrote to the Philippian church, what kind of the core things that he wanted to point out were, right? What were some core important things that he said, this is important. You need to kind of focus on these things. You need to pay attention to these things. You need to make these things part of who you are as a church, right? And so we talked about reaching the world according to the gospel and gathering with the saints and celebrating the gospel and growing in the word according to the gospel, right? We've talked about those things. But as we've kind of taken a look at these different kind of core things that Paul had laid out uh, through the work of the Holy Spirit, we, we, uh, my worry is that we kind of have lost that really this is a letter, right? Paul is writing to really specific people, right? There is this church that is in this city in Philippi, right? And he's writing to them, and he knows them, right? He's writing to people as he's writing, and as the Holy Spirit is giving him the words to say, he has very specific people in mind who he is he's thinking about by name as he's writing this, and he has real experience with them. And this week, as we come to the close, right, of this book and of this series, what I want to do is I want to take a look at a little bit of Paul's personal experience with the church and some ways that he is incredibly thankful for them. And as he's incredibly thankful for for them, he's impressing upon them some really core and important things. Before we jump in, let's pray together. Lord, thank you for this time. We thank you for your word, Lord, that we have it and that we're able to study it. We're able to do that freely together. Lord, and this morning I'm just incredibly thankful for your faithfulness as, we, as we've sung about that this morning, Lord, and we, we can see your faithfulness in so many different ways, but Lord, specifically this morning, we see the faithfulness of you giving us your word, Lord, and making a way that thousands of years later we have your word and we can study it and we can see what you have for us in it. Lord, we thank you in your precious and holy name, Jesus' name, amen. So turn with me to the book of Philippians, shocker, uh, Philippians chapter 4, we're, gonna get, we're getting really to the close here, and, right, and as he's kind of signing off, as Paul is, he's recording kind of his final moments here in the letter, he has this, this time where he wants to express, right, like I said, this, this faithfulness, right, and this, this thankfulness that he has for the faithfulness of the Philippian church and the way that they have cared for him and the way that they have provided for him. Right? And he impresses upon them, right, how the ways in which they have cared for him and the ways in which he is thankful for them actually has continued to produce some great things for the sake of the gospel of Jesus Christ. So we're going to read this, this section, and then we're going to kind of break it down 
based off what he has to say here. It says this, Philippians 14 through 20. Yet it was kind of you to share my trouble. And you, Philippians, yourselves know that in the beginning of the gospel, when I left Macedonia, no church entered into the partnership with me in giving and receiving, except you only. Even in Thessalonica, you sent me help for my needs once and again. Not, not that I seek the gift, but I seek the fruit that increases to your credit. I have received full payment and more, and I am well supplied, having received from Epaphroditus the gift you sent, a fragrant offering, a sacrifice acceptable and pleasing to God, and my God will supply even uh, every need of yours according to his riches and glory in, G in Christ Jesus. To our God and Father be glory forever and ever. Amen. Right, so you can clearly see, right, the thankfulness that Paul has specifically for the people here in the church at Philippi. And he's thankful for a multitude of reasons, but specifically here as he writes, he's thankful for their financial support. The ways that they gave and that they supplied his needs. That they saw the needs he had and the things that the gospel needed financially to be able to increase in this entire land. And that even when he was in Thessalonica, right, where there was a church there and there were people there, he was still in need and they were not giving. They couldn't for whatever reason. And the Philippians supported him regardless so that he could continue his ministry there. And this morning as I read this passage, I want to echo that same thankfulness this morning for the ways that you give. Right? A lot of times when we talk about giving, it's like, all right, how can you be giving more? Right? You may hear that a lot. Or, or you know, you should be giving. You should be giving more. You should be a cheerful giver. You should be all these things. But this morning, as I remember back to just my entire year here at the Church of Davison, I am thankful in the same way that Paul is for the ways in which you have given. Right? Think about power of three, right? If you look around just this room, you can see the AC and heater units that we have specifically because of the ways that you gave, right? We have heat and we have comfort this morning to celebrate and gather together because of the ways in which you've given, right? We have a building here. We have staff that are working here because of the ways in which you have given financially, right? And, and so our church is incredibly thankful to you for the ways in which you've given. But on a more personal note, I am thankful to you for the ways in which you've given. Right? I have the ability to serve you and, and to do full-time ministry here in Davison and at the River Church because of the ways in which you've given. And I am eternally grateful and thankful in the same way that Paul is thankful to the Church of Philippi for the ways that you've given and the ways that you've given me the opportunity to, as a job, share in the ministry of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And I want you to hear that this morning. As we continue to talk about the ways that Paul impresses the importance of that, know that I echo his thankfulness this morning for you and the ways in which you've given. And as we get ready, get ready to continue in that, and as we continue to look to this new year and, and giving in the face of that, and as we look to start a new power of three, 
where we're going to look at lifting, giving the whole building a facelift towards the road. And, and as there's more info coming on that, right, I, I look and I'm excited because I know the ways in which you will continue to give because of how faithful you have been to that in the past. But this morning, I really want to take a look at the things that Paul echoes here. And he says, here are the reasons why it's important. Here's why I am thankful for the ways that you give. Why is it that when we tithe to the church, it's different than supporting some other charity or organization? What is different? Why do we give to our local body? Why do we give to the church? And why is that something that produces something great? Well, if you look specifically at the very first verses here, verses 14 through 17, you can see very clearly that Paul says, when we give... We participate and partner in the mission of the gospel, right? Turn back to that passage. Yet it was kind of you to share in my trouble, right? And we, we've talked about the troubles that Paul has had, right? From being shipwrecked to being persecuted to ending up in jail where he's writing this, right? He says, you're sharing in the trouble that I'm going through through the gospel. How? He says, and you, the Philippians, yourselves know that in the beginning of the gospel, when I left Macedonia, no church entered in a partnership with me in giving and receiving, except you only. You, through the way in which you're giving, are a partner with me as I go and share the gospel. And even in Thessalonica, you sent me help for my needs once again. Not that I seek the gift, but I seek the fruit that increases to your credit. Right? And there's this beautiful picture, right, where Paul says the ways in which you've given financially, the ways in which you've supported me, they produce this fruit. And it's not because I want money or I want us to have these great buildings or I want us to have all these different things. He goes, it's not about the gift itself. It's about the fruit that comes from it. And that fruit is not alone mine to claim, but it is yours also in the ways in which you have given to help the gospel continue to be proclaimed. He says, part of aiding in the gospel is talking about the gospel, is sharing the gospel, is worshiping, is gathering, but it is also to supplying the needs in which the gospel has in our world to financially increase. Not that the gospel financially increases in that it earns money, but that it requires, in some cases, finances to get places that you need to go. Or to host events where we can reach people in our community. Things like the egg drop. Things like trunk or treat, right? Where we have hundreds of people come through and hear the gospel because we've been financially supported and able to do so. Right? And he's clear that, right, that it's not about this money, but it's about the fruit that it produces, the sake of the gospel. And there's this, I, I love this idea of the, the Philippians being co-laborers alongside them, alongside of Paul. Right? As they look, they read this, and when they go to their jobs and they earn money, right, and they take that money and they send it to Paul, that at their jobs they can sit and say, you know, I may be a great guard at the palace or i may be a, a, a great farmer right but i farm so that i can support the gospel and what's happening 
right? It is a work unto the Lord, right? It's this beautiful picture of how they may be laboring and their labor may not look the exact same as Paul, but through their support, they labor alongside of him. And that's what happens when we give. And that's why that it is such a powerful tool and it's something that produces such thankfulness because you labor when you give for the sake of the gospel, for the mission of the gospel. And the idea is, like, as we financially give and support the work of the gospel in here in Davison, that as we continue to give, our hope is that we can support ourselves, and that as we can support ourselves, that we can help support other locations and other ministries and other ways and churches in which the gospel is being continued to share. That's one of the things that I love about us being nine churches or nine locations and one church, right, is that these locations can come and we can partner and we can help financially supply for maybe locations that are struggling in some other areas. Or we can support ministries together that help further the sake of the gospel. This happens all for the sake of the gospel. And I want you to hear that, right? As we look and we say, the, the Lord Jesus Christ came and he died and he rose again, and, and that through that death and resurrection, we can have forgiveness of sins, right? Through the confession that he is Lord, and the belief in our heart that he's risen from the dead, right? Through that salvation, we look and we say, it is so important to us, it is so crucial, it is so necessary in our lives, that we're willing to give all things to make sure that other people can also know the truth of the gospel. Right? We can look and say, I give my time. Right? There's so many of you that serve here in our local church, Davison, and you do that because of the gospel. Or my hope is that you do that because of the gospel. Right? Or you look and you say, you know, my words, I look to share the gospel with people that I come in contact with. Right? And I've heard stories after stories of, uh, of, of you and, and your motivation to, to share the gospel and to talk to people about how important the gospel of Jesus Christ is. And as we do those things in our words, and as we look to highlight the gospel in our actions, it also, it requires all things. And part of that is our finances. It's our time. It's our efforts. And it's also our money. And so the question is, if we as believers say the gospel is the most important thing in our lives, then we have to back that up in all areas of our lives. But we like to cut and paste and keep things separate. Oh, no, that doesn't apply. But the truth is, we partner in the ministry of the gospel when we give all things to Christ. Second thing, when we give, our sacrifice is pleasing to the Lord. Jump back and look at verse 18. It says this, I have received full payment and more, and I am well supplied, supplied having received from Epaphroditus, the gifts you sent. And I'm sure Epaphroditus is very used to his name being spelled wrong and mispronounced and roll call, all those different things, because that is one heck of a name. But so you receive this gift, and then look exactly what Paul says. He says, I've received this gift, and I've got it from Epaphroditus. And he said, this gift is a fragrant offering, a sacrifice acceptable and pleasing to God. And you're like, what does that mean, 
right? You look at it and you're like, did they like spray cologne in the money before they gave it to him? Like, what does it mean that it's like a fragrant offering? Did they, you know, did they supply him with spices or what was it that was so fragrant? Well, this is actually, and I, I was talking with uh, one of the deacons, Aaron, in the back. This is one of my favorite imagery, pieces of imagery that we see, and it, we see it throughout both the Old and New Testament. And really kind of what it gets back to is the book of Leviticus. So turn with me to the book of Leviticus chapter 1. And so there's this very like vivid picture, right, of the Lord being pleased with the sacrifice and as being like almost an aromatic, something that he smells, that he breathes and he says, oh, that smells good. Right? That is something that's good. I want more of that. And it stems from the Levitical law and how the, the Levites, the priests, who you see are, are of the lineage of Aaron, they were called to burn the sacrifices to the Lord, to atone for the people. So it says this, Leviticus 1, 8 and 9. And Aaron's sons, the priests, shall arraign the pieces, the head and the fat, on the wood that is the fire on the altar. But its entrails and its legs he shall wash with water, and the priest shall burn all of it on the altar as a burnt offering, a food offering with a pleasing aroma to the Lord. Right? When I, when I read this passage, I think back to Saturday mornings on occasion when my mom would make bacon and eggs. Right? And I'd be laying in my bed like every teenager at like 11 o'clock, and the thing, I didn't need an alarm. I didn't need her to come and say anything. There was one thing that woke me up, and it was when that scent of bacon hit my room, right? And I was like, it was almost like those old cartoons where they like come floating, right, out of the bed, and they're sniffing, right? That's what I view this passage as, right? As the, they're cooking or they're, they're, they're burning this meat on the altar, and it's designed to show that the people are devoted to the Lord, that they're giving up very choice meats, right? Meat was definitely not as prevalent as it is in our diets today, right? And so it was a sacrifice. They were giving up valuable food to place on the altar to honor the Lord. And when the, when the Lord saw that sacrifice, when he looked and this, this idea of this smell of meat, right, rises up to heaven. The Lord smells it and he goes, oh, that's good. That is good. You have sacrificed. You have given to me for the sake of honoring me. You've given up something that maybe was valuable, that was difficult, that was hard. You have shown that I am the most important. And so what Paul says is throughout the New Testament, this idea is used, right? When he talks about peace. He says, when we live at peace with others, that is a pleasing aroma to the Lord. Why? Because we're giving up maybe our own grudges, maybe the right we have to be angry. We're giving up those things. And when we give up that in, in, and we say, hey, the way in which the Lord has called us to live is greater, he smells it and goes, that's good sacrifice. And so when we give as well in other different ways, specifically as Paul is talking about here financially, he says, I know that it's difficult. I know money may be tight. He goes, but when you give, I see your sacrifice. And it's good. Why? Because I see that you understand that the gospel is more important. 
That the gospel is the core thing. That it's greater than the money you may need. It's, it's greater than the new TV you want to watch the lions on. It's greater than all these different things. That the gospel is truly the most important thing in your life. I see that. I smell it when you sacrifice. See what now why I love that picture? Because the thing is, for those of us who do give, sometimes giving has become just like a, eh, it's the same old, same old, right? If you give online, you give reoccurring giving, right? You may look and you be like, it's just, you know, it's just something that I see on my bank statement every month. Or maybe you're like, oh, you know, I just, I just take out that amount of money and just throw it in the envelope and throw it in the box. You know, there's not really much thought to it. But the Lord says, no, 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 this is a clear act of worship. That when you give, it is as much an act of worship as when you sing on Sunday morning. And so we should have that mindset. He understands how difficult it is for you to give. He knows your finances better than you do. And he counts it as an act of worship, as a sacrifice. And so maybe the next time you give, pray. Say, Lord, this is really difficult for me. I'm not the best at this. But I give this to you because I know that the, the work that you will do with this is greater than what I will. For the sake of the gospel. Last thing. When we give, we give glory to God and his work. And this really walks along that same path of what I just talked about. But it truly is an act of honoring and glorifying the Lord. Right? And as he closes this section, he spends this time affirming this very idea. Verse 19 and 20 of Philippians 4. And my God will supply every need of yours according to his riches in the glory of Jesus Christ. To our God and our Father be glory forever. Amen. He says this whole idea is glorifying God. God doesn't need your money. But when you sacrifice, it is you partnering with him. And as you partner with him, he will continue to supply your needs. And let me be clear about that. Needs. Okay? Don't get it twisted. If you give, I am not saying you're going to go and you're going to win the lottery. That is not the case. But what I will say is, as you give, he will make sure you have what you need. And that is both a physical promise and it is also a spiritual promise. He will make sure that you receive that which you are promised according to the glory of God. He says, but this very act, this act of giving glorifies God because it shows that he is the most important. And if you turn with me to Proverbs chapter 3, we, we actually see this throughout, throughout Scripture. But I love what Solomon has to say here in the Proverbs, as he's writing about what wisdom is and how to live very wise lives, right? And he talks about being frugal, and he talks about being wise with your money, but he also talks about why you do that. Proverbs 3, 9. Honor the Lord with your wealth and with the first fruits of all your produce. He says, out of the very first things, he says, before you do anything else, you should look to honor the Lord. And he goes, that is case in point in your life. That should be the case in point with your time. That should be the case in point with your energy, with your words. And all things that you say, the very first thing should be honoring the Lord. 
And he says, but that is also an extension of your finances. He says, when we give, we give glory to the Lord. And we please him. Right? There's this incredible picture over and over and over. Now, you may be looking and you're like, man, Justin, I'm feeling really convicted this morning. Like, are you trying to guilt trip me? Are you trying to, like, coerce me into giving? Are you trying to, to make sure that I am giving? Well, Paul, one of the things I love is Paul is very clear in his letter to other churches, specifically to the Corinthians. He says, this act of giving happens when we have a cheerful and joyful heart. And that that is truthfully what is important as we give. And so this morning, my intention truthfully is to, to express my thankfulness. But if you're feeling convicted, please know I'm not trying to coerce you into giving. I'm not trying to convince you to give because, you know, I somehow know that you are or aren't. I don't. What I am doing is trying to teach you two things. Or trying to teach you this this morning for two reasons. First of all, because it's what the Word of God says. Right? That's why I get up here and preach. That's why I get up here and teach. It is not out of any selfish motivation or vain ambition. It is simply as I read the Word of God, I seek to help you know and understand what it has to say. And the second is to help you see why giving should produce cheerfulness and joy. Right? As you give, you should remember these things and you should count it as joy. Man, I get to offer a sacrifice to the Lord today. I get to partner with the Lord and partner with my church in, in the gospel being advanced in my community and in other communities. That's exciting. That's exciting for me. As I look at those things, I look and I say, man, how can I not be joyful when I have money to give? When I can partner with the Lord in the sake of the gospel, when I can give him glory in sacrificing maybe some things in my life. That is why I share these things. That is why I look to scripture and I see these things and it excites me. And so if you look and you say, you, you have reasons why you can't give, those are your reasons. I'm not going to try and tell you that those aren't important reasons or that those aren't things in your life that are valuable or difficult. I'm not trying to coerce you. But as you do give, I can say, remember these things. Because there's some great things that the Lord uses our faithfulness financially to, to do. And so, like I said to you, or I say to you every week, right, I love to leave you with some questions, some questions to wrestle with over the next week. Because I, 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 I'm a question person. I wrestle with questions a lot in my life. And you can ask my wife, you know, a lot of times on the drive home, I'm wrestling with even the questions that I ask you. So know that I'm wrestling alongside you. But the first question is, is giving a priority to you? And, and notice I said giving in general. Giving of your time, giving of your energy, giving of your words giving of your finance, is giving to the Lord a priority to you? And if so, why? If not, why? 
The second question is, how are you partnering with the mission of the gospel? Right? All these things that we've talked about, from giving to reach to gather to grow, you should have heard one similar word in them all, the gospel. The gospel is supreme importance. It's salvation for us as we're reached, and it's salvation for others as we reach others and as we grow together and as we gather together and we do all these things according to the gospel. So the question that I leave for you is, how are you participating in the mission of the gospel? Let's pray together.